please remain standing. Turn in your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 35. Be reading the entire chapter of 19 verses. This is God's holy, inspired, and inerrant word. The word came to Jeremiah from the Lord in the days of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah. Go to the house of the Rechabites and speak with them, and bring them to the house of the Lord into one of the chambers, then offer them wine to drink. So I took Jezaniah, the son of Jeremiah, the son of Habazaniah, and his brothers and all his sons in the whole house of the Rechabites. I brought them to the house of the Lord into the chamber of the sons of Hanan, the son of Igdaliah, the man of God, which was near the chamber of the officials above the chamber of Masaiah, the son of Shalom, keeper of the threshold. Then I said before the Rechabites, pitchers full of wine and cups. And I said to them, drink wine. But they answered, we will drink no wine for Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father, commanded us, you shall not drink wine, neither you nor your sons forever. You shall not build a house, you shall not sow seed, you shall not plant or have a vineyard, but you shall live in tents all your days, that you may live many days in the land where you sojourn. We have obeyed the voice of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, our father, in all that he commanded us, to drink no wine all our days, ourselves, our wives, our sons, and our daughters, and not to build houses to dwell in. We have no vineyard, or field, or seed, but we have lived in tents and have obeyed, and done all that Jonadab our father commanded us. But Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came up against the land. We said, Come, let us go to Jerusalem for fear of the army of the Chaldeans and the army of the Syrians. So we are living in Jerusalem. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Go and say to the people of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, Will you not receive instruction and listen to my words, declares the Lord's? The command that Jonadab, son of Rechab, gave to his sons to drink no wine has been kept, and they drink none to this day, for they have obeyed their father's command. I have spoken to you persistently, but you have not listened to me. I have sent to you all my servants, the prophets, sending them persistently, saying, Turn now every one of you from his evil way and amend your deeds, and do not go after other gods to serve them, and then you shall dwell in the land that I gave to you and your fathers. But you did not incline your ear or listen to me. The sons of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, have kept the commandment that their father gave them, but this people has not obeyed me. Therefore says the Lord, the God of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I am bringing upon Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem all the disaster that I have pronounced against them, because I have spoken to them and they have not listened. I have called to them and they have not answered. But to the house of the Rechabites, Jeremiah said, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Because you have obeyed the command of Jonadab your father and kept all his precepts and done all that he commanded you, Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Jonadab, the son of Rechab, shall never lack a man to stand before me. Thus far the reading of God's holy, inspired, and errant word. You may be seated. 
Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for uh, for your prophet Jeremiah. Thank you for the message that you delivered through him, Father, to us this day. Help us to uh, take the words to heart, Father, that we may continue to live in obedience to you and bring glory to your name. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. The philosopher Soren Kierkegaard once observed crowds lie. The more people, the less truth. You know, we can easily test this observation. Uh, which, which promise is more likely to be kept? The promise made by a politician to 10,000 people or the promise exchanged between two friends? Yet the appeal to numbers continues to carry so much weight with us in our society. A book that sells a million copies is taken as evidence that the book is is an excellent book and an important book. The engagement of of a majority of the people in a certain behavior is evidence of its legitimacy. Approval by the masses is accreditation. But the truth is not statistical. And the crowds are more often foolish than wise. In crowds, the truth is sort of flattened to fit a slogan. Now, there's nothing wrong with being in a crowd. I mean, sometimes you can't avoid being in a crowd. If I wanted to go to a St. Louis Cardinal game and 40,000 other people wanted to go to a game, I'm in a crowd. But if I imitate the behavior of the crowd or participate in its profanity, then my life is falsified. Can we keep from being crowd-conditioned? We've seen uh, trends in our society based upon what the crowds consider to be appropriate behavior or beliefs. Can we trade, can we keep from uh, being conditioned by social media or even mainline uh, news outlets? Can we keep from trading in our name for a number? Can we remain obedient to God over the long haul? You know, we've seen, if you look back in history, we've seen uh, denominations, Christian denominations, slide over the years, particularly from the 1920s up to the present time. Denominations that used to be strong for the gospel and for truth, who have abandoned uh, God, forsaken Uh, the authority of his word. Jeremiah was often in crowds. He lived in the city of Jerusalem, but he was not crowd conditioned. Uh, He didn't take public opinion poll to see what was happening or how people felt about things. God called him to be a prophet in 627 B.C. as a young man, very young. And he served for more than 40 years. He had a difficult life. He was 
serving at the time he was called in the declining years of Judah because Judah had over the years began to slide as well and disobey God and go after other gods. His message of repentance delivered in the peop- in the in the uh, in the temple area was not well received. His hometown, Anathoth, not far from Jerusalem, plotted against him. He endured persecution. He actually lived through the destruction of Jerusalem in 586 BC. The crowds understood what he was saying and probably admired the way he was living. But they their self-concepts were crowd-conditioned. They didn't disbelieve in God, but they disqualified themselves from strenuous and personal participation with God. You know, you know, um, admiration can be a dodge. You, you see somebody that you, you, man, I, I really admire this person. I, I wish I could be like that, but. I could never be like that. And so you use that as a dodge not to even try, not to even uh, seek after, after that. Biblical faith, however, has always insisted that there are no special aptitudes for life with God. The statement, well, I'm not the religious type, uh, is inadmissible. There are no religious types. There are only human beings. And everyone created for a relationship with God. Can we keep from having a view of ourselves that's conditioned by the world? Can we maintain a view of ourselves in the world that is conditioned by God? Can we continue in a long obedience over a lifetime? That's really what this story is about here in Jeremiah chapter 35. The Lord is seeking to bring His people back to a relationship with Him. You know, uh, as we read in John chapter 15, the only way you produce fruit is to abide in the vine. And Jesus is the vine. But they had gotten away from that. Uh, in fact, there was a continuing, continuing uh, habit with, uh, with Judah and Israel. Israel, the two kingdoms, Israel and Judah, Israel had already gone into captivity by the Assyrians. And now Nebuchadnezzar and his army was approaching Jerusalem. In verses 1 and 2, we have the invitation it's from the Lord that came to Jeremiah. By the way, if you'll notice verse 1, the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord in the days of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah. You'll notice in your Bibles that the Lord, the word Lord there is in all, each letter is in capital letters. And in the, in the English Standard Version, that means that that Hebrew word is Yahweh. Yahweh, the great I Am. Yahweh is God's covenant name. 
And He is speaking as the covenant God to His covenant people here through Jeremiah. And He tells Jeremiah to go to the house of the Rechabites and speak with them and bring them to the house of the Lord into one of the chambers, then offer them wine to drink. This, the chambers were in the outer court of the Jewish temple. And they were, they were open on one side, so people could see what was happening in there, could see the people gathered there, the different chambers, uh, as we saw in the text here. And what God wants to communicate to His people here, and to us this morning is that uh, everyday ordinary people could live their entire lives directed by a personal command and not by the impersonal pressures of the crowd or society at large. That it's possible to maintain persistently a distinctive way of life. So the purpose here in God giving this word to Jeremiah was to get people to realize that a personal identity and a disciplined distinctiveness was possible for them. Now, the Rechabites, it's, it's, good, it's, it's probably a good idea to give some background on the Rechabites. We know that they lived in tents, the Rechabites were a, a guild of metal workers. They worked in metal. So if you needed uh, a spear, a javelin sharpened, or a chariot wheel fixed, you waited until the Rechabites were in the area, and then you took your implement to them, and they would repair it. They traveled around in tents because they would stay in a, they would stay in a place until the ore or fuel ran out and then they would move to another place. And wherever they were, they were close to, if they were they were close to towns, the people of that town would go out to them, take their implement and get it fixed, get it repaired and and that's that was their life. They traced their ancestry back 250 years to Jonadab ben Rechab in the time of of Yehu. Now, because they were a guild of metal workers, they had trade secrets about their work. And so it was tightly held, which explains the reason behind not drinking wine or strong drink. Because, as the saying goes, loose lips sink ships. You might give away trade secrets by doing that. Marriages were carefully arranged within within the guild. And uh, we see here that they sought safety within the, within the walls of Jerusalem. This is probably referring to back in Jeremiah chapter 24, or 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter 24. We read in the first couple of verses here. In the days of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, in, the, in his days, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came up, and Jehoiakim became his servant for three years. Then he turned and rebelled against him, 
And the Lord sent him bands of the Chaldeans and bands of the Syrians and bands of the Moabites and bands of the Ammonites and sent them against Judah to destroy it according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by his servant, the prophets. So Jehoiakim became king at the age of 25 and he served for 11 years. For three years, he was a, a vassal of Nebuchadnezzar. He was, in essence, Nebuchadnezzar was, in essence, ruling the land, and he was serving, uh, because of that, he was serving as a vassal. But he uh, decided he didn't like that, so he made an alliance with Egypt and uh, became attached through a treaty with, with Egypt. And because of that rebellion, Nebuchadnezzar sent forces against them. And that's, that's what's happening with, at the time when the Rechabites were getting close to that activity of, say, of, of these uh, armies of the Chaldeans and the Syrians. And so they fled to inside the city walls of Jerusalem. Still living in tents in the city, but still within, within the walls of the city for protection. That's what brought them there. They were an oddity in the city because they stood out. They were intense. They they uh, probably uh, they were just conspicuous in their strangeness. It was a different. It was a different look to the city. So God decides to communicate the possibilities of Judah, His people, by having. Nehemiah, having Jeremiah invite the Rechabites into this open chamber where they could be seen both by the religious leaders and by the general populace. Jeremiah, by the way, was, was no novice to this uh, business of using experiences from the streets in order to get people to pay attention. Uh, in fact, God used him that way often. At one time, God told him to buy a linen garment from the, at the bazaar and put it around his waist and uh, walk around like that and then, and then take it off and go down to the, by the Euphrates River, water it up and put it inside, in a crevice in the rocks. And Jeremiah obeyed and did what he said and then a few weeks later, uh, God said, go take the garment out and of course he takes the fine linen garment out. You can imagine, just, just imagine the whole experience here of Jeremiah doing this because people knew Jeremiah. They'd been listening to him for a long time and they they just didn't pay attention to him, but they knew who he was. And so you can imagine Jeremiah in the bazaar making a production of buying this fine linen garment and the people saying, wow, what's Jeremiah buying that garment for? I mean, it was, it was like a garment that you would wear to uh, some fancy place, a wedding or some inv- special invitation and they may be thinking, you know, what's Jeremiah been invited to that we haven't been invited to? And so they watch him. And they, and they watch him put this garment in the crevice of the rock and then weeks later comes back and take it out and it's you can imagine what it's like. It's sort of rotting by being in there with the mold, with the, with the, the uh, moisture inside that rock crevice 
And it was good for nothing. Another time, God told, by the way, and then that's the message, you know, God says, you're good for nothing. He's, that's what he says to the people, basically, through that, through that message. Another time, he calls Jeremiah to, to stagger through the streets with the ox yoke on his shoulders like this and walk around town that way. And saying, that, you know, this is what's going to happen to you through Nebuchadnezzar. You're going to be under his yoke and you might as well get used to it and bear it because this is God's this is God's word. This is what's going to happen. You can you might see why he wasn't real popular because his message was all about here's what's going to happen to you if you don't repent. And so here they are and this is a, this is God setting this whole thing up brings them into this into this area of the temple this chamber and he lays out big bowls pours fills it with wine cups and takes a cup of wine and says time drink wine drink wine and of course the leader of the Rechabites says no we're not going to do that. They, you know, they could have said, you think about this, think about them. They're visitors in this community. They're, they're, they're under the protection, in a sense, of the city, city walls, and they're invited to this event. And they may have thought, you know, we don't want to offend our guests here. We don't want to make enemies. We've just made a new friend here. We don't want to make any of them by, by turning this down. But they didn't do that. They said, no, we don't drink wine. We don't live in houses. We don't have vineyards or fields. Because of the command of Jonadab. The Rechabites lived not on the basis of what was current with the crowd but on the basis of what had been commanded by their ancestor Jonadab 250 years ago. But that command carried far more weight than Jeremiah's immediate friendship. So now, Jeremiah had his text and his message to the people standing around viewing all this. And so again, verse, verses 12 through 16 is what God says to them. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Go say to the people of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, Will you not receive instruction and listen to my words? Declares the Lord, the commander Jonadab, the son of Rechab, gave to his sons to drink no wine, has been kept. And they drink none to this day, for they have obeyed their father's command. I have spoken to you persistently, but you have not listened to me. I have sent to you my servants, the prophets, sending them persistently. Turn now every one of you from his evil ways and amend your deeds, and do not go after other gods to serve them. 
Then you shall dwell in the land that I gave you and your fathers. But you did not incline your ear or listen to me. The sons of Jonadab, the son of Rechab, have kept the command of their father, gave them, but this people has not obeyed me. Now, note well what the message is not here. The message, Jeremiah did not say, sell your houses and live in tents, abandon your vineyards, abstain from wine. That wasn't the, that wasn't the issue. The specific what the specific command was. It was not the specific details of the Rechabite life that was held up, but the fact that they have lived in obedience to a command for 250 years and lived in integrity. That's his point. They lived under a command for this long and have not varied from it, regardless of what the crowds were doing or what everybody else was doing. The essence of the message is you also have a father who commanded you to live in total relationship with him. You think you can't do it? Think again. Look at the Rechabites. They've been doing it for 250 years. What God wants is relationship relationship with Him. Abiding in the vine. And in that way, we produce fruit. But we get distracted, don't we? We get distracted by many things going on around us. In... uh, in years past, many years past, before technology, people spent more time reflecting, more time thinking about things, about God and a relationship with God. And we have to battle, we have to battle against the distractions of our day. Uh, from always having something going on, whether it's earbuds in our ear or uh, seeing what's happening on Facebook or whatever it is uh, that distracts us from who we really are. It's an identity issue here. Uh, Who am I really? And living according to that identity. You know, uh, Pliny the Elder once said that the Romans, when they couldn't make a building beautiful, made it bigger. <laughs> the practice c- continues to be popular. You know, if we can't do it well, make it larger. We add dollars to our income, rooms to our houses, activities to our schedules, appointments to our calendar, and the quality of life diminishes with each addition. God wants us. He wants us. He wants our relationship. Every time we retrieve a part of ourselves, a part of life from the, from the crowd, 
and respond to God's call to us, we are much more ourselves, more human. It's probably why we're called human beings and not human doings. Every time we reject the habits of the crowd and practice the disciplines of faith, we become a little more alive. What we need is a long obedience in the same direction as Eugene Patterson once said. Or Peterson. Eugene Peterson. A long obedience in the same direction. That's what the Rechabites had. And that's what we need in our lives. We need to constantly battle against all the stuff out there and focus on what is really important so that we can listen to God. And then follow Him in obedience. We only bear fruit by living in the vine. Let's pray. Lord God, thank You for this visible message of obedience. Father, we need help in this day in which we live which is full of distractions. Help us, Father, to carve out time with You. To respond to Your commands, Father. And not to the lies of the crowd. Help us, Lord, as, as a denomination, OPC, to remain faithful to You as we've seen so many other denominations stray. To remain faithful over the long haul. And it begins with us as individuals, Father. We pray that uh, Your Spirit would work in us, create in us, Lord, for a hunger for closeness with You for a heart of responsiveness to what you're saying to us in our day-to-day lives. For we know, Father, that uh, the life you want for us is lived moment by moment, hour by hour, day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year. Help us to be consistent and persistent in our relationship with You, Lord. That our lives would be a reflection of Your glory. That others around us, Father, who are, who are out there but see us, ask us for a reason for the hope that we have. And that we can share that, Lord, that it's because of You and what You've done in us. And through that, Lord, that we may be a witness for you. That your name would be glorified. We ask these things, Lord, in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and for his glory.
Amen.